here's a harsh reality. If you find yourself to be a giving type of person and you give and you're generous, and then you get hurt when that person doesn't return the favor or doesn't do back to you what you did to them, newsflash, you're not giving. Welcome to ROSC, episode nine. Dealing with what is right now one of my favorite and most spine-tingling topics right now, and that is that leaders eat last. And this is the type of thing that I repeat to myself over and over and over again, day in and day out, and every time I repeat it to myself, it takes on a newer and greater meaning. This is probably, if I had to pick one phrase, the crux, the founding principle of this entire endeavor. Leaders eat last. So there's one word that comes to mind when it comes down to cultivating your environment and creating the space that makes you and others around you feel safe and ultimately leading to fulfillment and enjoyment and contentment. And that is control. Or perhaps a better word would be agency. And the thing that we often fail to realize is just how much control we have over our environment. And maybe from our own behaviors and the behaviors of people around us, those who are in power above us, we may have developed this idea that we don't have control, that we are a small piece in this huge puzzle, or perhaps we're not even a piece of the puzzle. But one way or another, we have taught ourselves out of understanding the level of agency and the level of control that we actually have for the environment around us, and ultimately control over the environment that afflicts us or inspires us. Now, one of the things that you might be feeling when thinking that or hearing that, or one of the things you might have been thinking in reading some of these posts or hearing some of these podcasts, or if you're following us on social media, you might be feeling this feeling of like, well, you keep saying that it's in my hands, I have control and I have to lead and being generous and all this stuff. If it was that easy, if it was up to me, it would have changed by now. What, I can't change myself? That's the problem. It's not me, it's everyone else. Look at what this person's doing. Look at what that person's doing. Look at this and look at that. You are in control of the environment, whether you like it or not. Because what that means is you have the ability to control the environment and the environment you have around you is at least in some part your own doing. Let me show you how. So you might have felt in many different scenarios, both clinical and otherwise, of situations where someone comes across you and says something or strikes a nerve or treats you in a certain way, and that becomes the dictator of how you feel, of the emotions you feel, of the mood you have, of how the rest of the day is going to go for you. But what if you were to look at that same scenario, that same difficult situation, that same hurdle as a negotiation? But the thing you're negotiating for is common ground. The thing you're negotiating for is for both people to get done what they need to get done. Now, that requires a person to put their ego aside. Just like when someone cuts you off on the highway. Most of the time, it makes no difference to your commute. But it does make a difference to how you feel on the inside. Who, how dare that person cut me off? They don't deserve that spot. I've been waiting online in this traffic on this exit and this person just runs up on the side and cuts in. And so in a situation where you could potentially navigate it in a way 
that appeases the situation, gets you to where you need to be, and gets that other person what they need, instead, you start to tense up, you start to posture, and you potentially might even spite that person by not doing or creating a hurdle for that thing to get done. Now, on the other hand, if you start to negotiate that same thing with the outcome being ultimately what you need and what that person wants, even if what you want is just a peaceful scenario and a, and a amicable parting of ways, so to speak, and this applies to resuscitations as well, if your team is starting to get out of hand or if a person is starting to stray from the flow of the room, you might need to actually check yourself as well as the rest of the room in order to figure out where that person falls into place rather than just blurting out your position and having that person just fall in line for the moment. This is not a time to, to reason things out or ration things out. I'm the leader of this code. I'm the person running this. I'm leading this resuscitation. Just listen to what I'm saying and we'll talk about it later. Nine times out of 10 isn't going to work very well in the long run. Might work in that moment, but nobody feels good about that. If you approach a particular situation that might be a potential hurdle or might be a cause for two people to drift in opposite directions or deviate in any way, and you begin to negotiate that in a way of having an end goal, here's where empathy comes in. Oddly enough, it doesn't sound like this is something that requires empathy, but empathy being understanding the other person's situation in light of the common goal that you and they both need to achieve. Or if the goal is not common, just both of you having the commonality of reaching your goals. This starts to not only navigate the way that interaction is going to occur, but it also is going to navigate subsequent interactions after that point. And it may not happen in the next meeting, but in the next one and the next one and the next one, you chip away and you start to add layers to the way that interaction goes. This reminds me of a, an interaction that uh, a friend of mine who's a nurse um, had with a particular resident. And without going into too many specifics, the resident came at this nurse in a way that no one would consider to be professional. No one would really even consider it to be mature. And after a bit of a back and forth, this nurse stood her ground and confronted the particular behavior of that person, brought that behavior to the surface, very firmly explained clearly how this is not going to work. And if you need this to happen, we need to come together on this. We need to fix this dynamic that's occurring right now. And now that situation can be handled in two different ways. It can be handled in a way where both ways can be firm, both ways can be dignified, but also, I don't want to say protecting your ego, but in a way that doesn't make you a pushover. But one way can be handled in a way that is firm and diplomatic, and another way it can be handled as in, you know what, that's it. You're going to get it. And then you just let off steam. It doesn't help anybody. If anything, it creates a greater rift. Sometimes the person will feel bad and, and turn around. But when they do that, you don't usually feel very good about the interaction that you had. Sometimes using empathy doesn't get you where you need to go. And you do have to stand that ground. But how you navigate that, how this nurse navigated it, got a result at the end that put that person in a pause, and almost immediately, that person turned around and said, you know what, that probably wasn't the best way for me to interact with you, and I apologize. This is always a tricky thing to figure out, but the moral of this story and the, the, the motif of this particular podcast and blog post 
is that you as a leader will eat last. You will come last. The end goal is what matters. And when you're a leader of a team, the end goal and your team members are sort of in the same package. Now, going back a little bit to the two different ways you can handle a situation like we just mentioned, the funny thing is there's pros and cons to both. The pros of one are pretty much the cons of the other. Let's go with the lashing out. Lashing out, instant gratification for sure. Endorphins, maybe a little dopamine, an adrenaline rush, establishing your dominance, maybe even blowing off a little bit of steam. And then the people around you might say that that was your raw self coming out. That was being real, right? Now you're going to get the real side of me. We've talked about before how I highly doubt that that's your real side. Maybe it's your perceived side. It's your assumed side, but it's probably your compromised side. Your authentic self might actually be the one that comes out and brings the best out of yourself. And that might seem manufactured, but it's still coming from you. So it may not be your best self. Nonetheless, it often feels really good in the moment. Does not usually lead to anything later on. Now, if you switch to the other side of dealing with things more diplomatically, of keeping the higher ground, of being the leader, you lose the instant gratification. You lose that spike. You lose that feeling of adrenaline and that relief. But what you gain is number one, control. Number two is perspective. Number three is empathy. All three of those things have a much longer return on investment. And what that ends up doing is setting a precedent. It begins to create a tone for the interactions you will continue to have with that person. I myself have been in a number of situations where I had it with a resident, a consultant, whoever, and just let them have it. And one of the things I've thought about in developing this community is thinking to myself, how could I be making all this stuff when I'm not an expert at it? I'm not, like I fail at doing this stuff all the time. And then during that shift, which is not too long ago, where something like this happened, the resident I was working with and the nurses I was working with exemplified the tools and tactics that I myself have been trying to convey here. To make it a little bit more clear, what you all are sharing in, in listening to me talk or hearing or reading me write, it's actually me writing for myself. It's me speaking for myself. You're just getting to listen in. And that's not me saying that this isn't for you. But what it is me saying is we all need the work. And one of the things I realized that makes this worthwhile is that it highlights when the people around me actually behave in this way. Because when you start to write this way, when you start to think this way, when you start to create this company by you listening to this podcast, keeping teachings like this and ideas like this your company, it is all an active mental effort for you to move in that direction. The last major benefit to doing things the more empathetic way, the more dignified way, the more diplomatic way, the less cathartic way, is that it doesn't allow us to pacify our insecurity. One of the things that happens when we puff our chests up and stump, put our foot down and just like let someone have it, the reason why we feel it more in ourselves, in our chests, is because what we're actually doing is pulling up back out of the hole that we feel like we've been stuffed into. 
with that person's behavior. We're not actually putting that person in their place. We're just trying to outdo the other person. And we feel like we might be climbing out of a hole, but sometimes what you might be doing is sinking lower than their level and just beating them at their own game, if you know what I mean. But by approaching things in the more diplomatic, the more leader type of way, the more empathetic type of way, it still brings about an opportunity for that person to be able to recognize the situation. And even if they don't admit it at that time, the next time they interact with you, they will remember not only the fact that they were in one way or another called out for their behavior or in one way or another made an error, but they also know that they don't have to protect their egos, that they don't have to puff their chests. You're giving them an opportunity to have a growth mindset, to put their ego in a position where they can not intentionally make a mistake, but they can be a human being and that if something happens less than perfectly, they have something to fall back on, that they don't have to immediately go into self-defense mode, into self-preservation mode, which is usually where all of this heatedness comes from, both in social interactions and in resuscitation. And it's way, way worse in resuscitation because you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your training. And in a resuscitation, you're not gonna be thinking about these things in this intricate way. That's why we're talking about it here and now. So you can reflect on it, let it percolate, and let it become part of your mental repertoire so that in a situation where you're not thinking, that's what comes out, that's what gets triggered. And so you can create that environment without thinking about it. In a stressful situation, everything else becomes easy after that. One of the most difficult things you can do in society, let alone just in the, the healthcare world, is breaking away from the law of conformity, breaking away from the status quo, not only because it's familiar and comfortable, but because peer pressure is real and it doesn't go away when you graduate high school. It is in healthcare when you spend all your time around the same people, you see your work colleagues more sometimes than you see your own family. And when everyone's ego is constantly being challenged, falling into the status quo is the most desirable thing. But the ironic thing is that the bigger picture, the 30,000 foot view is actually not only the more beneficial thing for you and everyone around you, but it's also extremely selfish, but in a good way, because there's a difference between a con artist and a leader, but both of them manipulate. The difference comes in what the end goal of that manipulation is. A con artist will manipulate for self-gain at the expense of others. A leader will manipulate for self-gain with the benefit of the gain of others. It's a mutual gain. The beautiful thing about having a situation like that is everyone's in it together. No one succeeds if everyone fails. No one can walk away with something when others didn't. It all comes together, together. And so with that in mind, by being the leader and eating last, by drilling in this concept of sacrificing your own ego or rather shifting your ego to become something that is anti-fragile, that is built upon learning and is built upon creating the environment for others, by giving a safe space for others to be vulnerable, make the mistakes, but know that they have something soft to land on, which will allow them the cognitive bandwidth to grow, that's going to be your garden. No matter how large it is, it could be a three or four member team, or it could be an entire hospital. By creating that environment, you're giving people the door to communicate with you transparently, 
without trying to protect their ego because ego protection just becomes self-preservation. The last thing I'll mention is this. A lot of this requires generosity and giving, and we've mentioned that term a number of times, these, these, this idea of being on the thankless path, that the leader eats last. What does that actually mean? If you give to someone anything, whether it's a favor or money or whatever it might be, and when the tables are turned, that person doesn't come to your aid and you feel slighted, or if you find yourself agreeing with some of these points, but you're, you're discouraged by the fact that you fear you'll be taken advantage of, you are not giving. I don't care what you say. You aren't a giver. In that moment, you are transactional. You are giving with the intent, no matter how conscious or unconscious it is, with the intent that you'll get something in return. You are trying to invest. And when you don't get something back, you feel slighted because you never intended to give in the first place. You've all heard some form of the idea that when you give, give as if you'll never get it back. This is that same thing. And that's not to say that even if you give with the intention of never having getting anything back and that person kind of doesn't give back in the future, you might be pissed, but you also then have the opportunity to think there could be a number of reasons why that person didn't, not to mention I gave without the intention of that person giving back. Why am I making a point about this right now? Because those of us who are agreeing with all of the things that are going on in this community right now, with all of these writings, with all of these podcasts, we are the people who have two sides to us. On one hand, we long for this environment. We long to be able to come into work and just almost fall onto a big comfy couch of support and of just as relaxed as you can be with the people around you, knowing that people have your back, knowing that you can make a mistake, knowing that you can learn and grow, knowing that no one's going to come at you for the mistakes that you make, knowing that when a critical patient comes in, half of the stress you have in that situation is usually tied to your performance and hoping you don't screw it up, that that can actually go away and open up your mind and your cognitive bandwidth to actually function better in that scenario. Wishing you had that environment for yourself is what we all want. The irony of it is that the only way it will come to you is because of that other part of you, the part of you that knows that you have an inner leader, that you want to be able to create this for others. The unlock comes in when you realize that it never had to be given to you for you to create it for others. It's just more difficult to do that because you're giving without the intention of getting anything back, thinking that you may never get anything back. And that feels like you're spending more of yourself when you already feel spent. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The only people who believe that they can be spent of any energy at the end of a day, and this is backed by scientific evidence, the only people who believe in that, which is called ego depletion, are the people who entered the study believing that ego depletion was a real thing in the first place. It's all in your control. We'll see you next time.